Welcome to Creekside Chats with successful real estate investors, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, promoting prosperity and harmony to help you flourish in all areas of life. Join in as we explore the motivations and goals of real estate investors and how their ability to invest abundantly has provided them with the time and freedom to contribute to the world in a creative and thoughtful way. Now, please welcome your host, Dr. Allen. Welcome to Creekside Chats with successful multifamily real estate investors, where we delve deep into the lives of our successful guests to learn the secrets of thriving to flourish abundantly in all areas of life. I'm your host, Dr. Allen. The co-founder of Tora Real Estate uh, Partners is today's guest. He focuses on uh, formulation of investment strategies, investor development, and acquisitions and dispositions. Since starting in real estate, he has been involved in over $450 million in various real estate transactions. Welcome my guest today, John Cohen. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm excited. Well, we're glad to have you, John. So let's get to know uh, the phenomenal man behind this wonderful success here. Let's start off with, uh, let's take a trip back in time to a time, and this could be as early as your childhood that you can look back on and you go, this was really a transformative experience for me. And of course, at the time, you probably didn't think of it that way, but as you look back on it, tell us about that time. Yeah, so there are two, there's two things that, I think really shaped, you know, what, you know, maybe, you know, looking back at it, as you mentioned, uh, I think the, the, the one that I like talking about uh, that I tell people all the time is that when I was in ninth grade, I was practicing on the varsity baseball team. And the day that I got called up from JV, uh, we were taking batting practice and we had our practice and then we were practicing with varsity and I swung and I felt a tweak in my back and, and the coach said, you know, run it out. And I said, I can't, you know, I, I feel fine. I just can't feel anything like my lower half, my body just wasn't, it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So, um, fast forward, you know, next morning I woke up, you know, no pain, just couldn't, had no feeling. So I went to the doctor, got a CAT scan, got an MRI, whole nine yards. And then lo and behold, they tell me that I have two fractures in my lower back Mm -hmm. and that I had to miss the entire season uh, now, at this point, there was a lot more pain. Um, now it was borderline extremely painful. Um, the doctor basically said, you know, we don't even know if he's going to heal, but let's put you in a back brace uh, and, you know, we'll monitor it. Well, you know, in three months, we'll get a CAT scan and six months, nine months, so on and so forth. So uh, as, a, you know, someone in ninth grade, you know, what are you, 14, 15 years old, uh, being told you can't do what you love. And, you know, my vision always was to, you know, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. But being told that you can't do that, watching your friends and, and when you're in ninth grade playing on varsity with the potential to playing, you know, when you should be on JV, it was, it was horrible. I mean, it was literally probably, you know, I've been very, very, very jaded. I've had an extremely good life. That's probably one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. Um, but that experience, looking back now and the adversity and overcoming that, and yes, nine months later, we did another CAT scan and they said it didn't heal. So the doctor basically at that point said, there's no point of wearing the back brace. You know, I went through an entire summer wearing a back brace. I, you know, I sat on the bench every single day at practice watching the team play. Uh, I never missed a practice. I never made an excuse. I just went about my day as if, you know, okay, yes, I have a back brace and it's fine. Uh, I actually ended up meeting my now wife at the time on vacation 
in a back brace, just looking back at all the things that I overcame with that hurdle. And I look back at, you know, and I say now, it's like, if I can overcome that at, you know, at 14 years old, when someone tells you you can't do something, you know, I don't want to hear anyone tell me you can't do something now, right? You know, at that point in time in my life, it's a major obstacle to say, you know, you love baseball. And I continued to play baseball. I played baseball through college. Um, and I continued to be active and do things today. And yes, I have two fractures in my lower back, but you know, through physical therapy and through work, you know, it's, yes, I know it's there. I, you know, knock on wood, very rarely if ever have any issues with it. Uh, you know, if it rains, you know, if it's a little humid out, maybe it's a little bit harder to stretch and, you know, I got to get loosened up. But um, when people say they can't do something and I look at that moment and that one specific instance, I say, oh, I overcame that and I was only 14 years old, with, you know, and that was the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. It's, you know, yes, I know that people overcome cancer and, and death, and, and there's so many other things that are significantly worse than an injury like that. But for me, that was one thing that I look back all the time. And when someone says you can't do something, I just remember how I felt at that point and saying, no, no, I, I, we can do this. We just got to put our head together and, you know, will it through and think it through and really believe in it. And I truly think that that was, you know, a, a very defining moment that if I can go back and change it, yeah, of course I wouldn't want it to happen. But I think the way it happened and what happened, you know, was, the, was for the best 100 out of 100 times. Interesting how we can look back on those major setbacks and disappointments and, and look, at, look back on them and say, wow, that really, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. Well, tell us about uh, a major fork in the road uh, that uh, you have come to and that... Uh, making the decision to go one way or the other has made all the difference uh, in your life. Yeah, this, um, this was a lot more recent. I would say uh, my partner today, uh, my business, um, when I met him, we dated before we got married. I didn't dive into bed. But at the same time, uh, sometimes we disagree with things and sometimes we don't see eye to eye. Very rarely. But when we first met, I remember speaking to a ton of people. And lo and behold, we had four or five extremely close friends where, you know, my uncle leased office space to him and just very, very, very close. Uh, he leased office space to my uncle, but we had, you know, the restaurant owner that owned the restaurant right next to my brother's butcher shop. Uh, they were good family friends. We're good family friends. Him. So we really knew very similar people, but I credit, yes, you know, I had a great family upbringing and the adversity I've overcome and you know, with, with injuries and blah, blah, blah. But I credit my success today with the ability when we met, you know, I had a decision. It was either, okay, let's go into a 50, 50 partnership with him and, or continue doing it the way I did it. And, you know, I had people tell me, you know, he's a great stepping stone, you know, he'll, you know, he'll really take your career to the next level, but it's going to plateau. And I looked at that as a challenge to say, wait, why, why can't we just work together forever? And, you know, as much as sometimes I say, oh, me, you know, am I doing too much work? Is he doing not as much work or vice versa? I look back at that day. We sat at a restaurant. He looked at me and said, I've missed an opportunity in the past. I'm not going to miss. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. Let's go 50-50. And at that point I said, no, okay, 50-50 sounds great, but is it worth it? And, you know, looking back that at that point in time, I don't think I'm as successful or I've had this success or we've had this success without me saying yes at that point in time. So it's something that I would never regret. Um, I think that there was a lot of people saying, you know, you don't want to do this. You, you know, you can do it on your own. You don't need this help. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. I don't want to look back at that. But, you know, without my partner and without, you know, his help getting us to where we are today uh, and that initial meeting, you know, I, who knows, maybe we're writing a different script. 
So what were some of the things that you, that you and your partner were looking at and considering in terms of whether to form the partnership or not to form the partnership? Yeah, so it, it started out with, he had a couple dollars and I had a, uh, a couple deals. So we came together and we just started working, you know, two or three times. And he was still working in the city at this point. So we, you know, we would go to a central place and we would work together um, just every once in a while. We were looking at a ton of deals and we started touring a ton of deals. And the biggest question was, you know, these are deals that I probably would have not looked at without knowing that he had the ability financially and the, and the capital to buy them. Uh, but simultaneously, you know, it pushed me out of a comfort zone of, you know, what, we, what I was originally buying prior to meeting him. Um, and we did three deals together, realized that we got along phenomenally. You know, any introduction we have, he always says, you know, you're like a kid. And he's older than me. He's, you know, just about 60. I'm 34. He says, you know, I look at you like you're a kid, like you're my son. But meanwhile, we're 50-50 business partners. And just, you know, when you hear that and someone, you know, when you know he's got your best interest in mind and he's looking out, you know, just I'll lay this out. We'll split it this way. And he, he's always, you know, probably one of the nicest people I know, not a bad bone inside of him, always looking out for the best interest of not only himself, but me. Um, things like that were the reasons why, I said, yeah, you know, this is fantastic. Um, some of the things where it's like, ah, maybe we're not on the same line. He's a little bit older. I'm a little bit younger. So it's like, hey, I want to scale this to a company, a billion dollar company. Do you want to be there? And, and there's, all, you know, we've spoke about that and, and there's ways around those hurdles of, hey, yeah, no, I'm looking to retire, you know, three, four, five years, 10 years, whatever it is, um, how are we going to incorporate that going forward, you know, and but other than that, that's probably the biggest challenge when you're working with someone. Um, but every other situation, we've never, you know, if you look, you know, look each other in the eyes, and, and we're never, you know, we, good, bad, or different, as honest as possibly can be, hey, this is what I think this is what I think, if we're not feeling the same way, we talk about it. But those conversations rarely happen because typically when we look at anything, we almost look at it identically. So um, I would just say the, the biggest challenge was, do I really want to give up 50%? Uh, but I was, work, I was doing real estate for probably six years prior to meeting him. And every deal I did, I just structured it one off. And then this was the first major step I had. Now it's a 50-50 partner and it's been, been you know, the most beneficial thing that I probably could have done. So what do you attribute uh, the success of the partnership to? Um, I would say we know what we each do well, and we don't get in the way of what he does well, or he doesn't get in the way of what I do well. So he doesn't, you know, he doesn't try and do the things that, you know, he knows that he relies on me to do and vice versa. I'm not, you know, hey, you got to do this. You got to call that, you know, you got to call this seller back. Um, that's probably what the success has been is just that, you know, the utter confidence that we're each doing everything that we can do daily to progress the business and never having a doubt in your mind whether, you know, is his work going to get done or not? And, and just, you know, giving each other the space to operate doing what we do well. So you are the operation side and he is the financial side. Is that still basically the um, relationship? There? <laughs> He's, he's definitely more detail oriented and I'm more bigger picture. Uh, you know, we joke around, you know, I'm pen and paper back of the envelope and, you know, he's different sheets and Excel documents and spreadsheets and it ends up coming out to be the same number. So yes, I'm more on the bigger picture visionary idea. Let's do this. Let's do that. And he's going to say, okay, you know, 
what are we get, what's going to take to get there, and and he'll be the detail side of the of my you know you know bigger picture. You know, let's go do this. You know, maybe I'm more of the face of the franchise, you could say, where I'm the more conversation. You know, he's not doing podcasts. He's not doing stuff like that. He's behind the scenes, but just as important as I am from the standpoint of making sure everything's going the way it should. You know, making sure the books are right, making sure the underwriting's accurate, making sure the bank and the balances and everything's being paid, handling the bank draws. So. He's on that side of it, so maybe that's more, I would say, property-level operation, but business operation-wise and stuff like that, that's probably more on my side. Hmm. Well, tell us, if you uh, feel like, uh, as you look back on your life uh, for the last 10 years of your life, how would you say that you have grown and changed uh, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually? Yeah, I would say... The biggest change, obviously, I have a you know a year and a half old daughter, so I think that that changes you drastically. Um, prior to that, you know, at I'm 33 years old, so I'm not that old. You know, I'm probably more on the younger side. People would say, uh, at 23, I can look back and say, "Wow, you were doing some really stupid shit." <laughs> but uh, now you look back at that and you say, "Okay, you know, things that have changed." You know, you 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 don't find yourself getting into situations that you probably don't want to be in. Maybe it's, it's a deal that is a heavier lifting deal than you expect. And, and you realize the risk reward. I actually had a conversation earlier with one of our acquisition guys that said, you know, do you think this is true? And I said, it doesn't matter if I think it's true or not. Is the risk worth the reward? It doesn't, you know, it could be the biggest lie you've ever heard, or it could be hundred percent accurate. The question I ask myself now, and this is probably the biggest change and I never asked myself this question when I was 18, 19, 20, 25, even probably 26 or 27 you didn't ask yourself, is it true or is it, you know, is it right or wrong? Is it true or false? You know, that you would ask yourself risk reward. Or now I ask myself risk reward. Is it worth the risk? Are we going to go buy this property in a tertiary market for what, right? Is it worth it? Or, hey, you know, this isn't the, the big upside deal that we've had historically, but the, the risk is significantly less. And you want to go to bed at night knowing that you are properly your risk reward is, is proper and is, is calculated. And I think that's the biggest change over the last 10, 15 years is that prior to, you know, I, I recall when I was, you know, 11 years old, I jumped off a 60 foot rock into the lake where we go upstate. Would I do that now? Absolutely not. And, you know, it's not because I have a daughter, it's not because I have a wife, it's not because I have responsibilities. You know, what's the reward of jumping off a 60 foot cliff, right? Yeah. It's thrilling when you do it, but the downside's probably significantly worse where, you know, maybe it, it, it doesn't work. And, so those are the questions you don't ask yourself 10, 15 years ago. Today, you know, you look at any opportunity, you say, okay, you know, w what am I gaining out of this? Is this going to be worth it or not? Not only for me, but for my family, for our investors, for everybody involved in the transaction, is it worth the risk we're taking? So how do you, uh, how do you determine uh, the risk uh, factor versus uh, the reward? Um, That's a great question. And particularly, yeah, well, you're looking at it from the big picture perspective. Uh, your partner's looking at it from the more detailed perspective. How do you assess that from the big picture? Yeah, so the big picture for me, um, I, I love the question because it's, 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 it's feel, right? You got to feel it. I say, you know, I have to go to bed at night knowing that I can put my head down, my eyes closed, and I'm not losing sleep over the decision. Uh, and maybe that's not the right or the wrong way to do it, but I know when we're looking at something, you know, Big picture, I do, you know, big picture isn't just throwing a dart against the board, right? There is some research that goes behind the decisions we make. But 
my defining factor. You know, I, you know, I put pencils down. I, you know, step away from what I'm doing. And I, I ask myself that exact question. Can I go to bed at night knowing the decision that we're doing or what we're going forward with is, is something that I feel 100% comfortable in? Because the last thing you want to do, you know, as you get older is worry about those decisions. So the, the question is, can I go to bed at night and not? And my conscience says, yes, you can go to bed tonight because you don't, you're not exposed. You're, you're not, you know, there's no blind side or anything like that. Well, tell us, you had said that you had been uh, in real estate some six years before you uh, formed this partnership. Uh, what is it that uh, led you to uh, a path on real estate? So that's the one thing I, I joke around with my parents on all the time. If you would have told me what I know now, I probably wouldn't have wanted to be a baseball player. I would have wanted to, you know, I would have wanted to buy property. Um, what led me down the path was just, it was just, you know, the vision that you could create something and you weren't tied to a decision that wasn't in your control. Cause I was in finance prior to real estate and you know, you were buying stocks and buying companies that you, yeah, you could buy some, but you were not in control. And you know, there's things that are outside of your control in real estate as well, but being able to create something from nothing and that, you know, we're, we don't do development. So it's not that I'm taking a vacant piece of property and building a skyscraper. It's, you know, we're taking a property with supporting comps and saying, okay, yes, we can do this and proofs in the pudding. But the thing that led me to that is, you know, I, it was just the ability to see, feel, and touch it, seeing what other people and, and hearing other stories about how real estate has changed lives. I, I saw what it did to my grandfather where, you know, he owned a couple of properties and what they're worth today. And just, just seeing that and hearing stories, I said, okay, this is interesting. Let me keep digging. And just all different types, you know, the stuff that I've done, you, you just talk to more people and you hear more stories and you realize, or at least I realized that, you know, the opportunity is endless. There's, there's enough of it to go around for everybody. They, they're not making more of it. So it is what it is. And just supply and demand economics, realizing that people need a place to live or, or there's only so much of this land that's left. Uh, and you see that and it's just the, the vision, you know, the light goes on. You're like, okay, I can do this and I can do this as aggressively or as passively as I want. You know, if I want to buy one deal a year, I can buy one deal a year. If I want to buy 20, well, I just got to wake up a little bit earlier and make a couple more calls. So it was the ability to create what you want to create, um, create the, the future that you want and not being tied to someone else's schedule. You know, it's not, you know, I have to go punch in the clock and, and work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. You know, if I want to work this week, I will. If I want to, if I want to go toward deals, I can. So it's the flexibility and the, you know, the, the what's there and the ability to go do it on your own terms and not have to listen to, you know, your boss or, or whoever it may be. Now, yes, we have investors and we treat them, you know, they're basically our bosses, but it's different, right? You know, we're creating the opportunities for them where they see the value that we also see as well. We're coming uh, to the end of our time, John. Um, uh, I've got one more question here, but before we get to that, uh, tell our viewers and listeners how they can connect with you. Yeah, I would say the best way to connect me is probably my email. Um, I am not nearly as good in social media. I'm sure a lot of people are saying, oh, reach out to me on social media. I am slowly but surely getting myself involved in the social media world. But the best way for me by far is my email. It's john at toro, T-O-R-O-R-E-P.com. Um, 
if you reach out to me there, I will get back to Pratt typically within 48 hours because I'm checking that, you know, daily. Uh, you can reach out to me on Facebook and Instagram, but, uh, you know, my Instagram handle is at John underscore JC. But for the most part, email is the best form of, you know, best way to get in contact with me. Okay. Well, my last question is, where do you find your deepest uh, meaning and uh, purpose in life? Uh, I would say prior to a year and a half ago, it was probably, uh, it was probably myself just, you know, waking up. But today by far, uh, it's my family, my daughter, my, you know, my parents, my daughter, my wife, uh, having a kid and realizing what you got as a kid and realizing that, you know, now there's somebody else that you have to take care of. Um, everything I do every day is for my family. Um, not only my wife and my daughter who are the, you know, at the top of the list and, you know, one A and one B, uh, it's, you know, my mom, my dad, my brother. Uh, you know, I basically said the reason why I got involved in real estate, and this is probably part of the other answer, uh, I wanted to be able to provide for my entire family the way I was provided for growing up. So there's no doubt in my mind the reason why I do what I do is for my family and being able to give them anything that they need when they want it, uh, no questions asked, pending. But uh, it's by far the, the family. The family component is why I do what I do, and that's my motivation every single day. Well, John, it's been very interesting uh, having you on the uh, podcast today, uh, and I've enjoyed uh, listening to your story. Uh, so thank you, John, for being on our show. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Creekside Chats with successful real estate investors, brought to you by Steed Talker Capital. For more information, as well as access to our free ebook on enhancing your well-being through real estate investing, be sure to connect with us at steedtalker.com. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine and enhance the humane treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. Connect with us at steedtalker.com.